Hey everyone, welcome to the Mass Construction Show. With today's guest, Blue Collar Bobby, sprinkler fitter, Instagram, and podcast creator. I'm your host, Joe Kelly, and this is a podcast about all things construction in Massachusetts and beyond. In this episode, Bobby and I discuss his approach as a content creator, as a trade person, encouraging the next generation of sprinkler fitters in what you need to know about impairments in a great what we will see more of. As always, if you enjoy the show, please like, share, write a review. Those kind of things have slowed down. I guess if I don't mention it, you don't think to do it. So if you enjoy this program, you like what we're doing, want us to continue, please go ahead and write a review, like, share in any way you see fit. Today's show is brought to you by Central Commercial Carpenters and supporters of our conversations. Enjoy the show. Hey, Bobby, welcome to Mass Construction Show. Hey, Joe, thanks for having me. I would say you could be, actually, I've had uh, Anisha Simpson, I'm just thinking off the top of my head here, Anisha Simpson from Youth Build, she was a carpenter. I'm trying to think of the trades people. I mean, I had Nick Schiffer, I don't know if you're familiar with him, at NS Builders. He started out as a carpenter, now he runs that company. But from a trades perspective, yeah, you, Anisha, Nick, and then other people kind of had come up through the trades, Joe Lombardi from Shamit. He was framing houses and then became super, but I would say first mechanical trades for sure. Definitely awesome. Though this is going to be uh, fun having somebody that actually puts some work in place and just doesn't tell people uh, what to do. So this should be fun. But, but you're on because a person who's a superintendent in the business shot me a message and said, hey, you should start checking out what this guy's doing. So I did. And then we've kind of you know, sent messages back and forth. But for people that don't know, if you go to Instagram, Blue Collar Bobby, you go on YouTube, this dope and tape show with you and Brian out of Atlanta. It, they're putting out some great content. I like it because it's both funny and educational. So I think that that's um, interesting for people in our, our business. And I, you know, we've talked about it on your show, but I think there's a gap in the market where people in commercial construction don't really have a place to be entertained and learn for real. So I think you're one of the people moving into that space and, and doing it right. I think in my opinion, there's a lot of people doing it in the residential world. So even NS builders, you know, they're putting out great content. That's interesting, but you have like fine home building, this old house, HGTV, whatever, whatever it is, is all this stuff out there. There's plenty of content around one and two family stuff, but commercial construction you know, to me, it's a gap. So what got, what got you started putting content out. So believe it or not, I was been posting sprinkler content on Instagram since about 2011. Uh, it wasn't always all sprinkler content, but for many years, I just, nobody knows about it. It's a trade that a lot of people don't know about. You know, everyone thinks plumbing, electrical, carpentry. I went to a vocational school. They didn't offer sprinklers. I went through the plumbing trade and I just wanted to try to spread my message. Hmm. It really didn't start catching on until last year. I linked up with a guy on Instagram, Sprinkler Life, where he shares all sprinkler fitters. And I was trying to link up with them and now we're all just tagging each other and you got a lot more sprinkler fitters posting online than you ever had before. Yeah, it's a big network. And it's funny that you talk about, you know, 2011. I I don't I'd have to think back when I started, but I didn't start out to do this. I started out just sharing content that I thought was interesting. Even the pod I started sharing content that I wanted that I needed because I was looking and there wasn't people sharing that stuff. So that's, I thought that's like, kind of what I was doing, you know, I figured I should share it and then kind of morphed into, I felt the same way about podcasts. I had learned so much about life, health, marketing, all kinds of stuff by listening to podcasts. Where's the I, trade podcast? Yeah. I want Where's commercial construction. There's nothing out there. And so I, I said I would do it. You know, I said to myself like, I, Hey, I'm just going to do this. And it seems like you follow a similar path. Like, hey, I'm just going to start putting some of this stuff out there. Uh, at what point did it start becoming like, oh, hey, there's there's a need here. I should probably get a little more aggressive with this. And then maybe after that, when did it kind of roll into, let's do the podcast? How did the evolution there? So, I mean, just like anybody, you know, your downtime, I'm scrolling, consuming content. And I'm like, I'm seeing all these electricians making sick videos and plumbers. And I'm like, where are like all the sprinkler fitters? I'm like searching through hashtags to try to find them. And Instagram did a thing with reels where that's how you get people that aren't following you, right? Cause mm -hmm. I had two or 300 followers. That's it. People I went yeah. to high school with my family, you know, just a regular guy. But now with the reels and the special hashtags and being able to tag each other, 
I reach people that don't necessarily follow me and then mm. they, they see the video and they might like it and then they give a follow and, you know, I was getting a lot of good feedback on it. Or maybe even you could say that didn't know you, right? That first 200, everybody they all knew know, you. They all know me. Right. Exactly. And then most of them aren't necessarily sprinkler fitters. It's like I said, it's family, high school friends. So yeah. it's like, and I'm posting sprinkler content and they're like, mm. I needed to find sprinkler fitters. So you think it was reels that it kind of broke the, it out? It definitely was the reels. See, I, I often think about my content and I don't do the things to optimize for growth. And maybe it's just frankly out of fucking laziness, <laughs> but I'm just like, oh, like I don't want to, I'm going to have to edit this and figure it out. So I'm just like, fuck it. I'll just post a, post a story, right? But there are those things where you start to, you know, leave what I call like circles. And it's funny, like I've noticed, like when I started, everybody that listened to the podcast, I knew. They knew me and I knew them. And that, that was what the show started as. And then it became, well, everybody that listened, either I knew or knew somebody that knew me. And I thought of it in rings, right? So at first it was just everybody that knew me and like either followed me on LinkedIn or whatever. And I had some connection with, then it broke out into kind of secondary connections, people I didn't really know. And then it was weird. I'd say probably about six months ago, maybe eight months ago, I started bumping into people and that just had no connections. Like I would either or in another state or work at a company where I know nobody. You're finally doing it. That's when you're starting to reach the... Yeah. And like so many people, like I would meet them and they're like, oh yeah, like I work at Jake Allen. And I'm like, oh, okay, they probably know Dan Charest. And Dan said to... So there'd be some connection, but I was bumping into these people who like, there is no connection. You know, I don't know anybody that works at that place or whatever. So it's, it's, it's interesting. I kind of think of it in rings. But yeah, I mean, your Instagram growth became pretty quick there. Not that you're like gigantic, but... From right. a growth standpoint, you seem to be growing pretty Really, most of it fast. from, say, October of last year to now. Yeah. In, Maybe a couple thousand. Yeah. And you think Reels, TikTok is good for that as well? First, getting more than those original two or 300 was Reels. And then it turns into, you need to engage. You need to engage the people mm -hmm. that are you know watching and liking and yep. DMing you. You can't just let those DMs sit there. You know, thousand percent. So, yeah. And it's also... Again, you go back to consuming. To be a good creator, you have to consume. You have to see what's trending. Mm -hmm. And you have to be looking at all the things that are trending and commenting on them and also liking those. And that helps boost the algorithm. There's all these little tricks, mm. the trending audio and cutting cutting the video. Like you could probably have a nice video right there and not even hear our audio. Just put some beat over it. It would probably, you know, you'd probably get 10,000 views on it. Yeah. Yeah. I Second camera is on my list. Like, you know what I haven't learned? Like duets and getting the trending audio like i'm at a point where i'm so maxed with what you're doing yeah with everything and sometimes it stresses me out because i sit there and i know i'm like there's all this low-hanging fruit that i'm not even grabbing but what can i do you know what i mean it's like right. i need to do my work to pay bills yeah. so i'm in this like pickle and there's a bit about you know i mean you could say that okay well you know maybe i should be like working harder or more efficient I'm so efficient and I'm getting so much done already. Like the answer is not squeeze more, Google, right? Yeah. Like that's not the answer, but yeah, I think you're right. Like that type of stuff. It's a great idea. I should have just. For you, what I would recommend is just take a 30 second. I would just screen record yourself wherever you post this of something that seems compelling. Give them 30 seconds of it and then post that on Instagram and say, if you want to hear the rest of this conversation, yeah. go watch the rest of the show. I am doing that. I'm doing that on Instagram, I'm doing that LinkedIn and that that's worked great, but I don't want to rest on my laurels and say like, okay, set it and forget it. This has been working. Yeah. I'm going to keep doing it because it's still working. Yeah. But um, I love the feedback. I love the idea of just putting that, you know, with a with music in the background. And even if you're just playing it on like 2x speed or something like that, us chit-chatting with the music going that's in the it. background, that would be great. Maybe I'll try and do that with, you could. with the video just from the straight on camera. Yeah. So now you talked about this plumber stuff and electrician stuff. How much of the interest you're getting in growth is a little bit of a, not that your content isn't good, but is it also like a byproduct of it's such a little niche? I think I, it is. Yeah. Like I say this thing about like, you see niche communities and how they become really passionate because there's not many of you. So if you find people that are into that, 
That's what I mean. You're like an instant. You try to find a sprinkler page on any of these social that are posting every day of just normal, mundane sprinkler tasks that we all do. If you don't see, you can't, you don't see anyone running the machine. I post a video of me running the machine. It goes wild. Every single sprinkler fitter mm. runs that machine. Yeah. I often use the analogy and the people listen a lot have probably heard it a couple of times, but I feel that way about cigars. If you go to a cigar bar and you sit down and you're watching a game or whatever, not even a bar, just a lounge, so they're not even serving booze, nine times out of 10, you will have a conversation with somebody around you. Even in the day, the day and age of people staring at their phones, you go to a cigar shop, you talk to the people there. If you go to a restaurant and a bar, if you started talking to the person at the table next to you, they'd look at you like, be like, this is a, okay, dude, like I'm trying to, you know, hear what I it's true. But you have this bond because nobody else really does it. And you might be like, oh, yeah, what are you smoking or whatever? And like, and you start talking about the game or whatever. And I've had more conversations. And it's such like a – it's across like a really wide spectrum. You know, guys that are like wealthy business owners, you know, people that are driving Uber, every ethnicity. So I notice like within – the cigar world, like it's a diverse group of people, both, you know, ethnicity, income, age. what they do, age, like you've got this whole mix and it's all these people just from all over the spectrum. Politics is, you know, all over the map, but they'll sit down and smoke cigars and everybody will talk. And it's great. I don't see that anywhere else. Yeah, that's like, that's, that's a dying thing. Just communicating with random people. Yeah. And I bet you like, if you were out somewhere and like another person was a sprinkle fitter and you were hanging out, you guys would start talking. Yeah. Right. And there would be like an instant bomb bond that I don't know if that's there for a plumber or a, or a carpenter. Is that fair? Yeah, almost. It's just, they're so... There's a lot of carpenters and there's a lot of plumbers. They're very important. Yeah. There's just there's so many of them because that's what everybody knows about. Like people they say as if you're a teenager, oh, I'm going to join a trade. Yeah. I'm going to be an electrician or a plumber. Like no one no one in high school saying I'm going to grow up and be a sprinkler fitter because yeah. they don't even know it exists. Yeah, or an insulator. That's what my dad was, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Yeah. So that's what I mean. It's not that you wouldn't have a bond with a plumber or if you were an architect, you wouldn't have a bond with another architect. Of course you would, but it's it's more niche. So it it's more rare to bump into somebody. So I think there's just a little bit more of a connection. Yeah, for sure. And I have plumbers that follow and support too, mm -hmm. you know, because they're, it's all, it's, it's all pipes. We're all using the same type of tools and we're all sharing different tricks. You know, I learn tricks all the time from plumbers that I could utilize in my trade. Yeah. And it's frankly, go one step further. It's all construction. It's all construction. I'm not picking, I'm never picking up a fucking tool during my day. Most other thing I'm picking up is a book, right? But I'm very interested in what you're doing fascinated by it. I want to watch it. I want to ask questions. You know, I've talked to you about wanting to do content and that's more educational, which yeah, we should talk about it. after Thank this. You. Yeah. So I think there's definitely that piece and you would say your audience is predominantly sprinkle fitters, but obviously branching out. Um, what was the driver for moving from, okay, I'm putting out Instagram content or TikTok content to you know, let's do a podcast. Just like you said, like, so, you know, I listen to, I, I don't want to say every single one, but I've listened to almost every single Joe Rogan. Mm -hmm. I've listened to just countless podcasts. I like Dr. Death. Like I went through a bunch of different, like, I don't know him. Who's Dr. Death? It's just about like a, like a psychotic doctor that would, he made it through all doctor school. And then he was kind of, he would go in to do like a simple surgery and he'd be doing all kinds of other things to hurt them. And so it's more like a story I couldn't versus stop listening. interview. Okay. And then, so like you said, once you listen to everything, you're like, oh, I listened to that. Oh, I listened to that. Should I listen to this again? I was almost going to listen to Dr. Death again. It was so good. I'm yeah. like, well, let's look for some, maybe there's some pipe fitters on here. Mm. Like, let's talk like a construction podcast. We mm. can learn something. And then I linked up with Brian, who's on Atlanta Fire Protection on Instagram. And just trying to make sure you're. Try and stay within like a fist of the mic. Let's do uh, let's do a show. Let's we were gonna do a typical podcast where we record and edit and then post like the next day. And I couldn't figure out how to edit. I didn't, I, yeah. you know, and whether I had to buy the program or what. So I knew I could stream live. I knew I could grab the Zoom and I could stream it live. So it's like let's just try that. Let's go. Yeah. And it's it's been good because we have a live audience really that's commenting and they're putting questions and putting info and you know they're part of the conversation. Yeah. So no, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Having watched and been on it, it's, yeah, it's, it's entertaining. It's so much better when you have that engagement. I think about that. It's also challenging. Do you find it challenging to be watching the comments and there's a lot going on carrying the conversation? And now we just added the soundboard, which, and yeah. you're going to need Brian to steer the ship then while you're just 
That's Hitting it. So it's buttons. kind of like I get all the buttons going. I get all my screens in play. He kind of can introduce the guest and introduce us, and that gives me like a good five minutes to do all. Just get every because I got to be watching YouTube, Facebook, Twitch because that's where all the comments come from. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's it's awesome though. We love it. Yeah. How many hours a week do you think you're spending on content? Ooh. Um, so my kids have a strict bedtime of eight o'clock. Yeah. I have two children, a boy and a girl, six and almost two. When they go to bed at eight o'clock most likely working on content until about 11 o'clock at night. And so Tuesdays and Thursdays at 9 p.m. we do the Dope and Tape show. So I'm not generally making a lot of Instagram content then, but like I probably got like upwards of 20 drafts on my Instagram right now that I could just fire off. So then when I'm – because it's another thing that I get is people say like, oh, you, you're spending too much time on your phone at work. But I'm like I'm really not. The guys that work with me would tell you that they're not necessarily seeing me on my phone. At coffee time, I can just press two buttons, post two reels that I've already made the night before or a week, mm-hmm. week before. I spend a lot of time. Yeah. If you had to put a stab at it, do you think it's probably, eight hours a week? No, probably way more than that. Probably like three hours, two, probably like two or three hours a day between the podcast and just communicating with people. And So 15, 20 hours a week? Yeah, probably. Yeah. No, it's real. I, I mean, enjoy it. it. It's, it's a hobby at this point. Yeah. And then are you just wired in a way that you can go to 11, then wake up at four and go to work? Yeah, man. See, like I don't have that. Five hours of sleep, and I am like, and I am just doing phenomenal. Four yeah. hours, I'm laggy. If I sleep for eight hours, I'd be like sore when I wake up. Like I, sl- I'd be tired, and like my body would hurt from laying there. And I wouldn't; those last few hours, I wouldn't actually be sleeping. I'd be like waking up and tossing and turning. So, strict yeah. five hours is usually what I do. I wish I had that. That's I'm such a baby. Like, <laughs> if I don't have eight hours, just fucking, just put me to bed. Like I'm useless, and I wish I wasn't that way. It's so bad. But like, I need that sleep. I get that sleep. I'm a fucking superstar. I can just crank it, work all day. You. But you know, I get, if I get seven, six and a half. I can like function that day. But then if I get another day of like six and a half, seven, no way. I'm not getting. I'm getting twenty five percent done of what I normally would. That's oh, wow. how drastic it is. It's. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. I, I wish it wasn't like that. But you know, I hold pretty tight to it. The latest I'm going to bed is nine o'clock. Oh, we except, kept it up till 10. Yeah. That's what I say, except me. I actually drank coffee like around four or five o'clock. Making it long? To get to make sure I wasn't fucking, you know. Tired. Yeah. And having yeah. like no life on your show. Like I figured you don't need that was me. A good, that was a good show. Me dragging you down. Um, so speaking of guys you work with, what do the, what do the old timers think? Um, the ones that know about it, you know, they love it. They support. That's interesting. Again, in, instead of putting it on there, the old timers aren't too tech savvy. Mm-hmm. Most of them. So it's more I'll receive pictures or videos via you know text message from the guy like one of the one of them working on a fire pump and he's like you know he's sending me like pictures as they go mm-hmm. it's a two man show you pull it off it's a slow process you got to do it right repack it and so I take that and I just put it on Instagram that's content you know yeah they're supportive as but long I, as I'm not the guy that they're working extra hard because I'm on my phone like that's something I don't support don't be on the job on your phone that's never going to be good yeah. <clears throat> No, I get it. But are there even guys that you work with that are just like, even if you're like doing on your lunch break or whatever, and you're looking at them and going like, what are you doing? What's that? There's got to be some of those people. That, I mean, I even deal with people that are like, what are you doing? Like, why are you, uh, why are you putting all that stuff out there? It's a waste of time. You yeah. know, like. I'm not getting any of that. No? Every now and then you get a couple haters. I'm yeah. like a viral video, but there's just people that don't know me. But the people that know me are pretty supportive. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. I'm, I'm surprised to hear that. I would think. You know, even just because even just, you know, like, like you said, like a lot of times I could be doing my work and just like, okay, well, I'm just going to take a picture of this or a video of this and just stand up your phone and That's let it. it record you. You know, I'm surprised people aren't like, what are you doing? Why do you, why are you recording what you're doing? But well, they won't even, if I have my phone propped in the corner, a lot of people don't even notice. And I start yeah. and stop the videos from my watch. That's how you do it. I can start, stop, zoom all from my watch. I can uh, make sure I'm in the frame. I like that. The Apple watch is very helpful. With content. With the content. Okay. Anything I'm missing as far as content goes? Because I do want to ask you, I would like to move on to some technical stuff, but anything else you're doing you feel like you're getting good traction with? Or I guess probably another question, good question to ask is where do you think it'll go? Um, I know it's well, a I'm, really hard question. I yeah, couldn't answer it myself. I'm really hoping to find younger demographic that will be intrigued by doing sprinklers. You know, we have a lot of old timers that. They, they, you know, they've been running the trade for a long time and they're going to retire. We don't necessarily have a lot of young people coming in. Mm-hmm. 
it's tough. To, it's tough to find an eager eighteen-year-old that wants to show up every day. Like you don't have to be the best mechanic. You don't have to know anything. Just if you show up every day, week after week, you'll slowly be at the top. Yeah, I. You know, I feel that way. Even outside of the trades, the ability to be successful now, if if you're willing to put in the work, and it's much easier than it than it was. I think. Yeah, and I think some of it is just demographics, right? Like they're, I'm Gen X. There's very few of us. Like if you look at the look at it from like a demographic standpoint, there it was, was like, only a couple of years. You guys had the shortest time frame, no? It's a short time frame, and there was just a low birth rate, and so you had the baby boomers. And you think of like an hourglass. You had the baby boomers, where there was a ton of people. Gen X, it really narrowed down. There's very few people, and then those millenniums, right? So people in their 40s just were very small groups. So there's not too many people moving into that. So you've got the old timers leaving and there's nobody really filling that void. And when you look back at when 2008 hit, that was when Gen X folks would have been in the business six, eight years or something like that. And if they were in construction and then all the construction dried up. They went to other places to find work, but there was already very few of them to begin with. So even if you lost only another 10% of them to some other trade because there was nothing in construction, now it's even a smaller amount. You're right. So like, there's not too many people. Look on your job site. How many of them are in their 40s and 50s? And how many are young and 19? There's a lot of young people and there's a lot of real old people hanging on, right? So a real old for trade perspective, right? Um, So there's nobody to fill that next level. So if you're willing to work, you can write your ticket. If you're, you know, if you're willing to put in the time and do the work and learn Just your show craft up every day, don't don't be calling out. Yeah, it's I think that's the biggest thing. Is people call out, or they're tired, or they stayed up too late, or whatever it was. You just got to show up. Yeah, and man, you can write your ticket no matter what you're doing, yeah. trades or otherwise. That's I, think, true. I think there's a really good opportunity for people that are willing to do the work, and I think people that listen to this show are, I always say, and even people that like follow the website or the content are just people that want to be better at what they do, right? Because you could go home and play video games, smoke weed, watch Netflix, or you could listen to a podcast or read about construction or, or, create, or, a podcast. or create a podcast. Or do, like the people that are looking at mass construction content are people that want to be better. And I would say the same thing for the folks that are watching you, they want to be better at their craft, right? So a lot of, and it sucks that it was like this way, but a lot of the old timers took their tricks to the grave. Like they didn't, whether they didn't want to divulge the trick because they didn't want the new apprentice to be better than them, quote unquote. I think that we're in the era of we share the tricks and I put the tricks out there on Instagram and I can teach some 18 year old in Kansas how to do it a little bit faster or better. Like that's what I'm here for, you know? A thousand percent. And I think when there was a lot of people, like, so when my dad was in the trades, like, like there was stretches where he was getting laid off because there wasn't work and he was having to go to Maine to work in the paper mills. So that was his only option because there was just no work here. That's a hike. Right? So in a scarcity mindset like that, where, hey, work is drying up, like if, you know, one of us has got to go, I'm not going to share my tips with you because then I'm, you know. Makes sense. You, right? Yeah. And... I think now we're talking about demographically, there's not nearly enough good skilled tradespeople. So they could use 10 more of you. So, so what? You helped out two people and they're better. It's probably good that you're going to be working with people that are better at what they're doing and everybody's getting better. And that's a net positive. It, and no one's, no one's afraid. No yeah. one's afraid of being laid off. Another thing I'm a believer of is your, your helper or your apprentice, whoever's working with you that's at a lower rank is a direct ref- reflection of you. And so when my apprentice moves on to somebody else, I want them to say, damn, who, who taught you? You know, it's a great way to look at it. any tricks. Yep. He's your, he's your prodigy, so to speak. You've, you've trained him. You want to send him off to another guy that's just as good as you. And he's going to be like, what? Did you even train this kid? That, no, that's a great mindset. And it's a great, um, like you take, and I don't mean this in, you're taking ownership of. For real. That person. That's the way. Right. That's a reflection on me. Like he it's good. And like, yeah, I taught him. Yeah. I had him for his first two years, you know? Like, yeah. Or they'll ask, oh, hey, where'd you learn all this stuff? Right? Yeah. That's a, No, that's a good way to think about it. Like, think about it like, like they'll, you hear the term coaching tree. Like, oh, hey, over time, people within your company or your organization or whatever will look at it and be like, wow, everybody that apprentices under Bobby, like, they're superstars. Like, what's he doing right? We should probably have him doing X, Y, and Z instead, or, you know, not that you would want to do that, but you might, or you might not, but, you know, maybe we should have him 
go to the apprenticeship school and start doing teaching and maybe that's opportunities that come your way or yeah, let's make this cool. let's make let's make this person a general super or an area or whatever right like only good stuff come from that when people start saying like huh they'll quickly make the connection yeah well, i'm right? trying to train foreman i'm not just trying to train a new mechanic yeah gotta hopefully strive to be a foreman someday hmm. no great perspective like that's I think everybody should be thinking that way. It's like thinking beyond uh, yourself and uh, being like a protectionist, right? And just, oh, okay, I'm going to keep this stuff to myself and I'm going to keep my job and mm. do it, protect myself. It's a very, it's like playing offense versus playing defense, right? I think if you're good at what you do, you can share the tricks and you'll probably still keep your job. Yeah. I feel the same way with like the social media content. A lot of people that I know, I realize that's, you're alluding to it both on social and in the workplace, right? Yeah. When you're directly physically in real life teaching an apprentice but same thing so many people say oh i don't want to put that out there they'll learn our secret sauce mm -hmm. it's like there's no fucking you get secret so many sauce. dms of thank you i've never knew that just learn something yeah a lot of support yeah but from a company perspective there's no secret sauce right like there's there might be good tips and things like that but everybody's so afraid to like share their information with the competition they're not everybody there's some people that are out there companies that are out there and that's the way they think but i think in the long run uh you only hurt yourself by not sharing and making everybody else better. That's at least that's my opinion. From a technical standpoint, moving away from social media, what could superintendents, my old job, do to set up sprinkle fitters on their jobs for success? And I like this because we're we're turning we're turning the tables because I'm so used to hearing from the CM, the GC side, like, oh, only if, you know, they'd frame it this way or only if they'd have more guys, not sprinkle of any trade, right? You're always hearing what GCs want more from the trades. Yeah. But what do the trades need from, what does sprinkle fitter need from supers and GCs? So for me, I just need like, I'd like a week's notice for a shutdown, for a sprinkler shutdown. Really? I'd like a week's notice. Could you tell me why? So like, just so I could put it on my schedule. I work at a lot of different places. Super sometimes will just assume that they could just call you the day before. You know, my schedule doesn't get made the day of. I'm probably scheduling a week or a week and a half out. So you say, like today, for instance, I got a call yesterday at about noon. Oh, I forgot about the shutdown. I need you at the hospital tomorrow. And luckily, I was able to pivot a couple of things to make it there. But I was like, hey, you know, don't let that one week thing slide. Because what if I had obligations to be somewhere else? I would have had to blow one of you off. Really just planning. Keep the sprinkler fitter in on the planning. Uh, why shutdowns versus anything else? Like, hey, I need you to come uh, start laying out mains on this job, and they give you you want a week oh, notice so, for that, so that too, right? I, that too, like, hey, we're going to need you in the beginning of such and such month to start doing the install. But for mm -hmm. me, I'm usually doing, and I should have started with this. I'm doing day work, so when I go into a job, I generally have to drain the sprinkler system. I'm relocating heads, I'm moving a branch line for duct work, or so to just call me the day before and say, hey, I need you to come do some. Like, I, do I have the material? What am I doing? Mm -hmm. Do I have the heads? Do I have the elbows? You know, is there trapped water? Like if I had yeah. that week's notice and I had a short day one day, I might be able to swing by and verify I have everything. Okay. By the nature of your work, which is mostly occupied renovation kind of work. Usually hospital work, yep. active hospital. Yep. Sensitive we, areas. Yep. So even if you're, okay, hey, I need you to come turn these heads down, that's going to require a drain down. Right. So that you'd say, let's... Just give me that week's notice because a lot of times they're putting these shutdown requests in. A lot of times in Boston, I can't, I'm not doing the drain. The, there's a hospital engineer that spins the valves. They okay. shut it off and drain it, and they do the fill. They they get their five days notice to put on their schedule. So basically, my my rule is that if you're notifying them, just notify me too. Okay. So it's not last minute, you know. Yeah. Anything else? Um, another thing that I don't really enjoy is when they got you like in, you got one small room and every every trade's there on the same day, right? They're gonna. They're supposedly putting the ceiling up, but the tin knocker's still working. I'm supposed to be piping heads in the ceiling, but the tin knocker's still working. The ceiling hasn't started, and I know a lot of times it's scheduling, and they're just trying to cram it in there and whatnot. Yeah. But I find myself working like over the floor guy a lot. <laughs> like, you know, anybody in the construction industry knows that the sprinkler guy shouldn't be working with the floor guy. The yeah. floor guy's pissed when he sees me. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> and then anything like those obviously mean that you can respond better and you can do a better job, right? right? Uh, and that's how they could help you perform better. Is there anything that would help the, the job go smoother that you can think of? I mean, it's kind of come a long way. Mm. The trades have transcended. I mean, if whoever's up at the top should be going first every time. Yeah. You know, 
If I got to go up top, I should be installing first, right? Yep. That doesn't always happen. Like maybe the duck guy will cut me and now I got to work above him or, you know, that sequence gets messed up all the time. I feel that the general contractors that I'm working for and the spots that I'm working, they're, they're very good. Yeah. They're, yeah. I mean, you got sophisticated people working in the hospitals. Yeah, they're working, not... We're working for big name companies like Turner, Skanska, Suffolk. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. they've been around the block and usually those, those are like hospital people. Like the Suffolk teams will stay at the hospital. If there's no work at that hospital, they're probably going to go to another hospital. Yes. Um, and so they know they know what they need to do as far yeah, as you don't, requests you, and stark walls and negative air and all that. You don't last long over in Longwood if – Longwood for people listening from here. It's the medical area in Boston. Yeah. I was a building inspector for that area for quite some time and like you saw all the same faces. And it, if a new person does show up – it's not unusual for two days later that person to be gone. They're like, nope, they're... You really turn into like a hospital worker almost. Yeah. For the ho- like that's mostly all the work that I'm doing now is hospitals. Yeah. No, it's great. I mean, you have to have the right attitude, the right approach. You have to be diligent. You can't, you know, you're not working on a wide open site with nobody but construction workers around and, you know... You could have a sick old lady right on the other side of the Stark Wall. Yeah. Listening yeah. to you curse and swear at the pipe and whatever. You just got to be... It takes a different type of attitude. Yeah. No, for sure. And you got to have patience, right? Where you can get all set up and they'd be like, okay, you know what? Can't do this right now. You got to break it all down. You can't be like, what the fuck? It's, I just spent four just hours and I just got, it. It. you just say, And okay. typically in that situation, the GC's cool. Like, hey, we know that you're screwed. We'll, we'll sign the ticket for your day because we yep. know you didn't get anything done. And like, that's another very good thing. Yep. They know that I can't do anything and it's not my fault then to uh, at least pay for the time. So I'm not losing it on the contract end. Yep. No, that's great. Similar kind of question, but specifically around impairments. What are some of the things people should be looking out for when it comes to impairing a fire protection system? The distance the heads are from the ceiling, from the from the deck. Great one. Um, so you want to be within... Typically, you want to be within a foot. It's a good rule of thumb. Yep. So you want to be within 12 of the deck, right? If the ceiling's coming down, the sprinkler heads have to go up. Yep. Now, that's not... That's I know we're not just having Massachusetts people on here, that's not a worldwide thing right now. That's like really like a New England thing where they could go into a building and just take the whole ceiling down and they just leave the pendants there. And the fire department out in Kansas doesn't care. And then once the ceiling's up, then they relocate it. Whereas and I could go into a room where they're taking the ceiling down. There's only two heads. I got to spin those heads up so they could do a week's worth of work. And I come in the next week and spin them back down. Yeah. It, what's interesting about that is the only thing the code says is that you can't impair the system without the permission of the fire department. So a lot of people will ask, because I'll write impairment plans, they'll say, well, what do I have to do? Like, well, there's nothing in the code that says what you have to do. You just have to ask permission. And that's where the impairment plan comes in and say, okay, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. We want to remove the sprinkler system and put heat detectors. We want to upturn the heads, pull out all the smoke detectors and or plug out the you know, smoke detection system, bag them, put upturned heads. There's lots of options the way you can do things. And like to your point, even fire departments in Massachusetts, some of them are are fine with you leaving the pendants and just as long as you have heat. Yeah, if you get out Central Mass or or Western Mass, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and uh, I think it's, I think the important takeaway is the minute you remove those ceilings, you've impaired the sprinkle system. Correct. The basics of it for people that are listening might be saying, well, why? What is what is taking a ceiling out have anything to do with the sprinkle system? That ceiling captures the heat. And as Bobby could clearly tell you, the head goes off is a certain temperature. So what are some of the temperatures of heads that you see out there? So that element is going to be sitting right at the surface of that ceiling. And it's, you know, more times it's looking for 155 degrees. Seems like the trade's kind of moving towards 200 degrees. But either way, once you remove that ceiling, you might have you might have 10 feet above the ceiling, and all that heat has to go all the way up. We all know heat rises, yep. and it, the heat's going to go right past the head. And, now, to say the head's not going to go off, I mean, if the fire's directly under it, it probably will go off, but it's going to take a lot longer. It's not being used the way it was designed to be used. Yep. So that heat goes all the way to the deck above, and it hits 155 at the deck. And then it's got to kind of build its way down. Yeah, then it's working its way down, and... How many minutes does it take to get from 155, 10 feet, or even four feet above down to the old side of the old ceiling height to trigger it? So we're talking about adding potentially minutes to putting the fire out. To putting the fire out. And we all know seconds matter when we're talking about fire. Fire. 
And it's designed for certain spacings to be able to either extinguish, or in some cases, not even designed to extinguish. And that's where a lot of people get confused. Sometimes it's designed just for you to get out of the building. Suppress. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yes, just by you take out ceiling tiles, you've impaired the fire protection system. You need the permission of the fire department or the AHJ authority of jurisdiction to do that work. And anyone in Mass knows that Boston Fire Department is involved. Yes. They're yeah. very involved. They read those 241 plans and they implement what they want. Yeah. Anything from a um, timing perspective on impairments? Because I know, you know, I think it's 10 hours, but everybody says eight. You can take a system offline for eight hours and then it has to be up and running. What happens if you get into that threshold and things aren't going well? What are some of the things that could go wrong that start to push you over that allowed window of impairment? So, and that's changed. I was actually just working up in Danvers, Mass, and to drain the sprinkler system, I needed a Danvers firefighter on site just to drain it. To drain the building or the just floor? Just to drain the one floor. I had to do four pendants to uprights. And that's a requirement that I've only seen in Newton Wellesley. And so that, I don't know if that's going to start spreading, but just to drain the sprinkler system, I needed a fire watch from the fire, local fire department. Yep. <clears throat> Another thing about timing would be that, and this kind of goes back to about the superintendents, you know, everyone works generally an eight-hour day in construction. So after I'm going to work eight hours and then we're going to fill the system, and then there's I'm not saying that I have leaks because I generally don't, but mm -hmm. if there was a leak and now I'm spilling into eight and a half, nine, ten hours. So generally speaking, you like to fill at like hour seven. Give yourself... Okay. It doesn't fill instant. Every time you fill, you're going to notice that they fill it slow. Yep. And so that's going to take 20 to 30 minutes in and of itself. And then you want to be able to walk and make sure nothing's leaking. And if it is leaking, you're going to have time to drain it back down and fix it again. So I would say timing would be big. Don't, don't force your sprinkler fitter to be working, installing for eight hours, and then expect him to fill on his time. Okay. So uh, you've turned the heads up. They're ready for you to come now and drop the heads in a tenant fit out area, you know, 10 rooms or whatever, say, Hey, can you come drop all these heads and you're going to be there six to two in reality, you're dropping heads from six to 12, right? Probably like seven to one. Cause you so, figure oh, cause you got to drain down and they're not going to, they're not going to be waiting for you right at six. Yep. Generally. Okay. So you've got the drain down time. Then you've got five hours of dropping heads in place and then you have to start filling because you obviously just don't want to crank the valve wide open, right? Yep. You're going to slowly fill it. You want to walk around, make sure there's no leaks. And then is there, what's industry standard for, you should watch this for, I'm assuming there's going to be like, okay, hey, we should not leave the job yeah. for half hour after it's, we shouldn't like walk around and say, okay, no leaks, see you later, right? Like what? Once it's up to pressure, I mean, I'd like to give it at least a half an hour once it's up to pressure because it could be airbound. If you've got a tall sprig that's airbound, and the head, you forgot to tighten the head, and it's just leaking air for 20 minutes, pushing the arrow, and then it finally starts to trip. You'd already be halfway home, and then you got to turn around and... Okay, so we do the math, right? you got the eight-hour eight day. You've got lunch, and do you guys take two coffees, or what do you do? Local 550 is supposed to take a coffee and a lunch. Generally, if I'm alone, I'm usually taking one break, just whether, whether the fill is or whatever. But we should be taking two breaks, 15 at 9 and a half at 12. So... 45 minutes off the top of that eight for just for break. Yep. An hour in the morning to be able to get permission, drain it down. Maybe you're interfa you interfacing with the fire alarm contractor, making yep. sure so they're there and sure have the systems on. You got to make sure he's there to call the box out. So another thing that happens in these hospitals is the shutdown will just get canceled. I'll bring all my stuff in like you were talking, and there's just one entity that's not there. There's one piece of paperwork that was missed, and I'm there ready, and maybe they, they never scheduled the alarm guy. No, this – like, so – you might be taking this for granted, but I'm thinking of a new person listening to this, even if they're a PM and they're planning something and they're like, oh, okay, hey, yeah, we got, you know, six rooms of heads. That's no problem. I've seen sprinkler fitters put heads in before. But if they're looking at a brand new job and they're not draining and filling, they might not be thinking about all this, right? So show up at six. It's an hour between making sure, coordinating with the fire alarm contractor. They're there. They've called the box out. Setting you, up your machine. Set up machine. You got the mission from the building to go ahead and start taking the water out of the system. Locate the valves. Yep. The time for all the water to drain out. So you're losing an hour there, 45 minutes for break, stopping early Thought to I fill. Think. And then God forbid there's a leak. 
add more time on there, but time an hour to fill, half hour to walk and wait to make sure there is no issue so you don't have a catastrophe later on. You're looking at, what, four and a half? There's a lot of variables. Four, four and a half hours of turning heads down. Yeah. So you go from your mindset from, okay, if a person spent eight hours dropping heads, how much can they get done? No, it's not eight hours of dropping heads. It's four and a half if you're... That's, so that's what will happen is the, the superintendent might be on a big job where they're installing a new system that's never seen water. And so... You know, a sprinkler fitter could do anywhere from 10 to maybe 20 heads each, depending if they got to hang them or how close it is or whatnot. And then that same super goes to a job where you're working on an active system, and he's still trying to think that you're going to get 20 heads done. Yeah. I mean, you got to unload the van, set up the job, drain it, still got to fill it, load the van back up. That's all considered work for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, like your your productivity you're looking at is just a completely There's a lot of different other, game. Yeah. Yeah. And then never mind, now you're working around... So many people. So many people, ceiling grids. And what the strict yeah. 241 plan is that if I'm piping pendants, well, there's got to be a ceiling guy right on my ass putting those tiles in. Because yeah. at the end of the day, wherever I get the pendants done, he's got to have the ceiling completely whited out. Yep. So you're working right with the ceiling guy, usually going to be an electrician there putting in his lights. Yep. It's a challenge. That's hard to pull off. And the poor floor guy. Yep. And then the super, oh, another thing the supers will say is don't spill a drop. It's like, oh man, have yeah, you yeah. ever worked with a sprinkler guy before? <laughs> Spill a drop. Nice. Uh, so here's where I ask you to take your crystal ball out and it not be right, but over the next two, five, ten years, you don't have to, whatever you feel comfortable with, what do you think we're going to see more of in the industry and what do you think we're going to see less of in the industry? Okay. And you can pick one or the other. You don't have to do them both. You can do, yeah. you can do both. You don't Great question. Do I think something that we're going to see more of might strike people by surprise, but with the world changing over to electric vehicles and the lithium batteries in those vehicles and what they're charging those vehicles in a parking garage that has a water-based sprinkler system. And if you have a second in your day and you want to go to Google and type in uh, lithium battery fire with firefighters trying to put it out, it doesn't go out. Water does not. And they shut the water off and what happens? It sparks back up. Something I think is really going to transcend in the industry is that we're going to need foam systems inside these garages. Anywhere you have a charging, electric vehicle charging station is probably going to need a, you know, firefighting foam to suppress that fire. That's could, I mean, what are the parking garages in Boston? They're all under a building, right? Yeah. I think that's going to be big. And then I think I was talking to you about, about the 241 plan and how we're going to need temp sprinklers active. They say you got a 40 story building that's going up and the iron workers are on 20. I think you're going to have to have sprinklers like on 18 or 19 active heads before any trade can go up to that floor and before the iron workers can go up to the next level. That's We need more sprinkler fitters to do that. That's a lot of work. Yeah, which you don't have. Like <laughs> you, his, his, you, his, Yeah, his, you know. It's like well, how many sprinkler fitters are on most of your jobs? Yeah, we've Two? talked about this. Very, very few. <laughs> and even like from a local perspective. We're if small. You, if you look at how many... The same territory, right? You look at how many electricians, carpenters, plumbers, whatever other trade there is, and then sprinkler fitters. You guys are what? One tenth? Maybe 20? 20 I don't know the exact numbers, but I think that our local is under 1,500. And yeah. I want to say the 103 in Boston has got like 20,000. Yeah. Right? Yep. Rough numbers. Yeah. So that's. You see 20 electricians on a job, you're probably just going to have two fitters. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah. So that's that will be interesting. But. Yeah, I think you're spot on on both of those fronts. Like the lithium ion batteries are definitely something we haven't been able to solve yet. The thermal runaway is a nasty thing. Man. And, you know, you, you like if you look at some of the battery fires that have happened at these plants. And they don't go it, out. No, it's weeks. They're sitting there for weeks because even talking with Lieutenant Towski out in Cambridge, they had a place where there was some battery fires where they were testing things. And they ended up having to just put the batteries in buckets of water and just leave them in buckets of water for days until they they had basically run themselves out. That's crazy. Yeah. It's wild. But that's interesting. So, the yeah, the, the foam systems and then even some of these banks of batteries, they're coming up with new sprinkle systems that if you think of stacks of batteries, you just can't put sprinkle heads on top like rack systems where you have sprinkle heads, like all, so these big banks of batteries, you have to have like, you would have to have foam. Coverage within. Nestled within the whole thing. That's a boatload, boatload of work. Actually, sorry, thinking of that, prefabrication, 
What do you see in, from, and I know you, you're doing the occupied reno, so it's probably not as much. Let me let Daisy in. Yeah. Gonna... Daisy. Pull knock Larry over. Yeah, so I've seen, you know, pipe fitters, electrician, everybody getting on the prefab bandwagon because it's, you know, it, it's working. The off-site construction is really helping. I haven't seen it from a sprinkler's perspective. Are you guys doing anything with prefabrication? I know it's not your world because you're more the occupied reno, but are you familiar at all with... So I was able to dabble in... I ran a big job uh, for a hospital that was local. It was a three-year project. It was the general okay. foreman. That's another thing that started the social media, not to pan away from your question. No, but go for it. Yeah. As being the general foreman, I was just taking pictures and videos of everything because a fast-paced job, you know, you test it and they close it. You well, test it, they close everything. it. So the documentary. So then the, the job came to the end. I have all these cool pictures and videos. I'm like, let's just let's post them. Them. So, and what was the question? Prefabrication. Yeah, the like, prefab. Uh, so sprinkler, sprinkler for me has been prefab. I think longer than anybody. It's not you don't really consider it prefab, but everything on a sprinkler system on a new install is like it's literally A B C D. You put the pipe going this way, the outlets are already welded on. So for us that's that's prefab. But you're mm -hmm. more referring to like the plumbers will come in with the whole bathroom on a yeah, rack whole rack and just yep. put every one of them in. We're well, not necessarily doing that too much. Like our fire pumps come, you know, ready to bolt up. And are you still cutting pipe on site, right? Yeah, for the most part. It depends. It's all about efficiency. If I have the apparatus to cut it, is it going to be quicker just for me to cut it and, and fix it opposed to calling the shop, finding why it's screwed up, getting a truck to pick it up, have them fix it and send it back? Mm. Excuse me. <clears throat> so it comes to an efficiency standpoint. If something's wrong, which there always is something wrong, yeah. I generally like to just fix it myself. I think it's faster. Document the time and just fix it. Yeah. But on like, so a new build, would you see a place where you would get pre-cut mains, you put them out down the hallway, you put the Vic fittings on, you hang them, the runouts are all pre-cut, and you're putting the elbows, and the drops are all pre-cut, and... The drops, so the drops wouldn't be... The drops and the arm overs you would probably measure at the end, for the most part. If mm -hmm. you get a design guy out there that could hit center of tile before the ceiling's up, that's something that I haven't seen in years. It's always off a little bit, but the mains, the branch lines, the standpipes, and sometimes the arm overs. What we'll do with the drops is you just order the drops a little bit long, so you already have the threaded piece, and then you just put the head on it and cut it back. Okay, so you're not threading on site. Do you thread much on site anymore? Um, so in the van, doing my day-to-day -day work, I try not to pull the machine out of the van. But, yeah, if you've got a big job going, there, sh there should be a couple machines. You're threading, you're grooving. Nice. Making you, it work. We're fitting it in. Yeah. In for, <laughs> you like what I, I like what you did there. Um, and grooving is when you're grooving the pipe for the Vic fitting or? Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, this was excellent. Love it. I think people that are listening are going to like this because this is uh, something we don't typically do, but I want to start doing a little, a little more of it. Yeah. I've got a buddy of mine that is, he was, was in the trades, uh, not a union guy, but just like did like, did a lot of different things, kind of like an all purpose kind of trades guy. Now he's working for a GC and, you know, and he always messes with me. He's just like, you got to get the blues on. You got to get the blues on. So, you know, <laughs> I think we're going to do a little more of that because the whole reason I started this, and if you listen to like day one kind of podcasts, I always talked about when I was in the business, I got handed a set of drawings and said, here, go build this. But I always wondered like, what went into this? Like, why is this building an office building and not condos? Like, how'd you get the permit? Like, what do you hear this stuff about? Oh, you got to, you know, cut a deal with the city and there's this stuff called like linkage money and what do you have to do for the neighborhood and like, and design? Why is it 40 feet and not 60 feet or 20 feet? Like, this, yeah. like, and then, uh, like, Coordination, like what's happening in coordination? How does that, there's so much stuff in the construction process. Well, what does the contract look like? You know, I was a super, so like I would get the contract. I would mostly get what we call like exhibit B, which is kind of what the each trade own, owes more or less, or owns on the job site. So like I was dealing with that type of stuff, but like I would want to know more about the contracts or like how do you estimate this? I did a little estimating at a small company, but that's much Estimating a little tenant fit out is completely different than estimating a mega project, Huge right? Brought, yeah. So I always felt like there's so much that goes into building a building 
that I don't know about. We're just in this little piece. We know our little corner, but what about everything else? And I think it goes down to the trades too. Like, I want to know, like, how are you, you know, ordering material? How are you doing your takeoffs? Like, what about how, are, especially on bigger jobs, how are you estimating manpower? Right? How many hours do you have on this job? That's a tough one. When are you going to have, which are you, you have to look at, oh, hey, we have a total, we're running 20 guys. How many guys do we have on other jobs? And do we have to see, do we have too many jobs going at the same time? And now we're not going to have enough people. And we're going to have, like, there's, so many fascinating things that go on in construction. And my hope is that this show can give people a peek into all those different areas. And, and the trades are part of that. Trades are obviously a huge part of that. That's kind of a dumb statement. But yeah, I mean, I think people want to hear from an estimator, a sprinkle fitter, a CEO. Don't you want to, don't you want to know? Yeah, right? I do. Yeah. I do. You know? In our show, we don't just do sprinkler fitters. I mean, we had you on, but I'm also... Something in mass that I don't dabble with is fire alarms because Local 103 mm. does their panels, and I don't do fire extinguishers or mm. gas station sprinklers, Ansel systems, but there's people out there in other states that do it all. They do all those systems. I want to talk to them, and I want to learn. There's more about my trade that I can still learn. Yeah, absolutely. You know, right? But I think construction in Boston is a well-oiled machine. I think you come from anywhere around the world, and you just go to that job site, and you look at that dock, and like the plumber's truck pulls out electrician truck pulls in and you got to sign up for dock time and it's an impressive operation it really is yeah. people a lot of uh, bodies involved people think of construction as a dumb industry it's just it's really so not. far from the truth you know so the amount of people thinking. that hear just generally that i'm in construction and they're like oh yeah my toilet's leaking you know and i'm I was like what like you know oh could you build my deck i'm like no i'm not not a carpenter you know like it's so far into people yeah people think i'm a plumber yeah. People that aren't familiar with trades will just be like, you know, I'll get questions about their sink. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Need some silicone or something, but <laughs> Yeah. Or they think you install lawn sprinklers, right? That's another thing. Yeah. <laughs> what do you do during the winter? I'm like, what? What do you mean? Is <laughs> yeah. the ground frozen? I'm like, what's that have to do with doing fire protection? <laughs> yeah. Fire protection? What's fire protection? But yeah, so that's really like what this show is about. So I think it's I think it's great to continue to get more perspectives. I'm excited to see what you keep doing. Please keep me posted, like, because my consumption, I can't consume everything. Yeah. But, but when you bring the fire alarm folks on, or when you bring like the multi folks on, I mean, I I see it on your Instagram, and then I decide which ones yeah. I want to listen to. But yeah, I'm like you, going back to like the Joe Rogan thing, like. He has so many such varied people. Two weeks ago. I was listening to an old one with Chris Stapleton. You familiar with the musician yeah. Chris Stapleton? Yeah. Like, I'm not into music at all. I'm horrible. I couldn't, I don't even, I couldn't, can't keep a beat. Like, I just nothing about music. Like, when people are like, oh, it's in the pitches off. I'm like, I have no idea. No yeah, idea what the right? pitches. But I listened to him talk about writing music for two hours, and I was fascinated, right? And well, I think if you, you know, if you keep doing what you're doing and I keep doing what I'm doing and we just learn more and more about uh, our industry, even if it's not right in our wheelhouse, I think that's a great thing. So, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, uh, I appreciate you coming by. And, uh,